0: Welcome to the Graphic Campus Podcast, connecting authors to young readers and writers and educators too. My name is Rosa Lee, former teacher
1: and a lover of all children's books. My name is Teresa Yang, former classroom teacher and now a full-time literacy advocate. We are here to dig in deep with authors and teachers who work hard every day to inspire young minds. We are
0: super excited to have a dear friend and teacher and professional educator with us today, Dina Yu. We're so happy that you could join us today. Sure. Thank you, Rosa
2: and Teresa. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Dina Yu, and I currently am a second grade teacher at Ocean View Elementary School, which is in Albany, California and I've taught uh, almost all the grade levels kindergarten through fifth grade except for third grade. Third grade I haven't taught as a classroom teacher for an entire year but I've worked with all grade levels as a teacher on special assignment where I was an instructional coach helping teachers when we moved to common core standards and I've also had some experience working as a new teacher mentor in my career and also i worked with every child a reader and writer through the Noyce Foundation as a teacher coach for writing lastly um, I also worked as a reading specialist for a couple of years while I was in Albany but I'm back to working as a general education teacher at second grade currently
1: that's really awesome (laughs) a lot of experience (laughs) your school participated in our young authors book festival for the first time this past year can you say a little bit about what your experience was like as a teacher with your whole class with you
2: Sure. So the Young Authors Book Festival was a great experience for my students, actually a great experience for my entire school because we all participated. In particular, I think what was just really exciting about that experience was being able to have um, real live published authors zooming in with our classroom. So, you know, you feel that real personal, that author's face is like right there in your classroom. You feel like they're speaking to you and it's almost like having a celebrity visit your (laughs) class. The children, at least in my classroom, had been working in a writer's workshop format. And we had been doing a lot of reading aloud and getting to know authors as mentor authors. So I know in particular for the second grade class, I had read a couple of the books that were written by the authors that were participating in the Young Authors Festival. So there was like Joanna Ho
0: Mm -hmm. who read
2: who wrote Eyes That Kiss in the Corner and um, Matt De La Pena, and then also, was it Edie Lau, mm-hmm. I think? Um, so I had read all of their books. So it was just, you see that the kids get super excited when they're like, oh my gosh, that's the book that we read in class. And so it kind of gives that really strong connection of like the person who wrote the book is a real person and they're speaking to our class and they're talking about what they go through as writers. That was just Really exciting and very inspiring for the students.
0: Did all your kids have their own devices or were they all looking and experiencing together on one screen? How was it in your class? How did that work?
2: I'm speaking as I was one of the people that helped coordinate it for my school. So we had two groups, and my particular class, I was working in person, so we did it on a big screen in the classroom. So it felt like it was that author visiting our class and we have had some similar Type of presentations um, like that before. So the kids were kind of used to it or had some experience with it. For students that were at home, though, who were still in distance learning, those students were participating from their own screen. And it's really hard to know what that experience was like for them, Mm -hmm. just because I wasn't in contact with those particular students. I know that the teachers who participated were really praising the experience. So they loved it. They said they definitely want to do it again. Oh, that's great! I think hear. overall it was a really positive experience.
0: We had a few teachers and classes wishing it was in person rather than on mm-hmm. Zoom. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it again. <laughs>
2: I think that's, to me, if you do that, you're not going to get as much participation. I feel like this was a great way of providing... Access for so many students, all different places. And I guess what you would have to have is an author visiting. <laughs> a bunch of schools, or that we would have to come to one location, right?
1: Right, right.
2: Like it would be like a huge, you have like a coliseum. To me, it's still not the same as having someone in your classroom. I don't know. I think that experience is special.
0: Yeah. That's awesome because our keynote speakers were from San Diego and Los Angeles. Most likely, they would have not been able to fit us in their busy schedule.
2: (laughs) I will say this, that opening up a chance for the children to ask questions at the end, I remember even though my students in class, we were typing the question in the chat, they knew when it was their question that was being read, they felt like that author was answering their question. So that, again, makes it, brings that personal piece to it and that personal connection. Oh, he answered my question, you know?
0: So in your class then, did you type in their question for them?
2: I did. So we were muted and I just said, does anyone have a question? And then I quickly typed oh, it.
0: <laughs> I have taught with you early on in my early teaching years. <laughs> and you honestly helped me set up my writing workshop in my room because I was literally just starting out fresh out of credentialing program. And I'm thinking back to all the things that we did when we first started writing workshop. Can you tell us how you set up your writing workshop? Has it changed over the years? What is it like setting up your room now and how you get your kids to begin the writing workshop process?
2: I think that when I started out in my teaching career I was very focused on the materials for setting up writer's workshop like the folders the pens you know like all of those things like what color pen am I going to use for editing I was very fixated on that and now I'm completely not (laughs) it's very different and I think that The most important thing now for me in terms of setup, and it's not necessarily intentional, but it happens, it takes place in my planning, is setting up activities and opportunities to really get to know my students. As teachers, I think we do that every year when we have a new student. We do that every year as we get a new group of students. Examples would be like you play that kind of interactive human bingo, find someone who's this or who's this years old. Some teachers will do like a brown bag sharing activity. I always incorporate every Monday, we do a share about your weekend. So lots of opportunities for the kids to share about themselves or about their lives. And for me, I feel like that is actually the most important thing about setting up Writer's Workshop because you have to get to know your students to be able to encourage them to write and tell their stories. And so knowing what somebody did on the weekend for that kid that sits there and goes, I don't have anything to write or I don't have anything to say. You can say, oh, remember when you shared about your weekend? Let's talk about that. And in terms of Writer's Workshop, I always start with like a heart map showing my heart map, things like putting on my heart map the people that I love, the places I love to go to, some of my favorite things and favorite things I love to do. And I find that those four things really inspire actually a lot of writing topics um, because what you do is You're not necessarily just writing about that person that you love, but you're writing about a time when you were with that person that you love or a time that you went to that place that you really, really love. basics is you want the kids to have, you need to think about whether you want to have a folder where they put all of their... of writing tools you want to think about different types of paper or whether you want it to be in a composition book but those are kind of to me the secondary things i think the most important thing of starting off the year is getting to know your students
1: so those getting to know you activities do you spend like a week on them or do you kind of go back to them throughout the year
2: the getting to know you i think probably takes place heavily that first couple weeks of school throughout the year, you know, having the kids share about what they did over the weekend and just giving them opportunities to talk is going to happen on an ongoing basis, as well as these days and something that I've been trying to push myself on. And I was going to say, this is another sort of connection to why I love the Young Authors Festival is just thinking about our own identities. And that's sort of part of this kind of placing importance on talking about race and anti-racism and just like, what is your identity? And I feel like that's actually really well connected with Writer's Workshop and telling your story. That would go throughout the year. At least I'm trying to push myself to do that.
1: Well, so much of Writing Workshop is about building that writing community that trusts each other. And so it's so important to spend some time getting to know each other in that writing community, especially for the teacher. But even for the new kids that come in and as students also shuffle through different classes, um, it's important to spend that time. So thank you for those ideas.
2: I think that one other thing is, and teachers do it differently, but I still do, no matter what grade level I taught, kindergarten to fifth, I still have the student of the week. (laughs) And so every student gets a chance to really share those personal things, whether it's a poster or bring in a bag of objects. So that does occur throughout the
0: week. Very cool. Also, I was thinking, have you ever taught writing in a non-writing workshop format? I think teaching writing
2: occurs on many levels, right? So the writer's workshop format is going through that process of what an author would go through. But I think that throughout the day, you're teaching writing sentence frames or responding to a book that you read. So writing does occur in other areas of curriculum, like social Mm -hmm. studies or writing about science or even in mathematics, being able to share your thinking by written
0: expression. There are teachers that are listening that might not teach in a writing workshop format, what makes you want to teach in that format versus maybe the way you were taught to write?
2: Very traditional how to write. It was more structured, how to write a paragraph, topic sentence, and I think it was a lot more here's a topic, write about this topic, versus I think one thing that's very different about Writer's Workshop is you have a lot of choice in terms of your topics, although now through for time and with Common Core Standards, it's about learning to write within certain genres of writing, different types of writing. You have that choice in topic, which I do think is important I do think inspires kids. And I also think that some kids struggle with that, too, having so much of that open-ended. And so sometimes some kids do respond well, giving a little bit more direction or guidance.
1: Right. Thank you. Any tips for teachers learning how to set up reading and writing workshop in your classroom?
2: Lots of time to get to know your students. Mm -hmm. One thing that's really important at the start of the year, and I always am mindful of this, is to make lots of time for setting up the routine In particular, there's that format of writer's workshop and reader's workshop where you do the mini lesson and then there's that kind of independent work time. So I find that kids really need a lot of training on how to read independently, write independently. I don't know if it was a mentored teacher of mine that said this to me or if I learned this from credentialing, but I always in my head thought it takes about a month for the kids to truly learn those independent routines and to not rush it. Because once you start rushing it and trying to do too many things, then it kind of, you lose that independence. So it's really, really important to take that time to set up that teaching and expectation of what do you do when it's independent writing time. I find it's more successful if... I teach them what it means to be independent, and we talk about what does it look like, what does it sound like, Mm -hmm. we model it, we practice it, and starting off with just five minutes of independent time. And I'm really not doing much, but just watching and observing, and then giving them feedback on how they did, and then building up that stamina for it. And then, you know, once I feel comfortable, I might just pull one student and do a quick assessment, try to get through that. And I talk with my class. I found it really successful if I can be wearing a scarf, just like I keep a scarf in my classroom. And so when I'm wearing the scarf, that means that I'm conferencing with someone and you can't come and interrupt me.
0: Yes, something very visual. Yeah.
2: And just building that independent time, because one of the most important things about writer's workshop and reader's workshop is. That you're conferencing, so whether it's one-on-one conferencing or small group conferencing, and you have to teach the kids the routine so that you can do that part of your job.
0: Yeah, I noticed that if a particular group had writing workshop the year before, it almost seems like you're continuing it. So it was a little bit quicker to get into that routine. But yet, since you're a unique teacher who does their own thing You still have to go over your own process and structure as well. It does take a long time.
2: For teachers who are listening and are using the units of study curriculum, it doesn't always guide you through that part of the process. So um, I think maybe in the earlier grade levels, but then it kind of assumes that students have been following that curriculum and know what to do. But I still find that every year you need to work on a routine. So mm-hmm. right. And that often requires, you know, either you do what have been doing or you might need to pull from other resources and ideas for how to set things up and set up your beginning routine.
0: Right. And you also have a new community of writers. So I feel like with this community... Something you might have used
1: last year might not work with this community.
2: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Well,
1: Dina, you also talked about building stamina. What does that look like and sound like for reading and writing?
2: So stamina, I teach my kids this at the very beginning. We actually use it as our signal word. This is the word that we're learning about. They learn it as it's doing something for a long time without giving up or without Mm -hmm. losing focus or not getting distracted. So for reading and writing, is a little bit different. With writing, they usually work at their tables. I actually say very clearly, it's either you're thinking about what you're writing or you're actually writing or you're actually drawing on the paper and your head is down, you're focused, you're not looking around distracted. With reading, I let the children pick a spot to read so they get to move around the room and we have a staggered reading instruction. So it's half my class that's with me at the early time or the late time, which is nice. So with that, we talk a lot about finding a good spot to sit in. You're not too close to anyone and that you're not getting distracted and that you're, you know, your eyes are focused. You're reading the book. You're reading the whole time you're done. What do you do right after that you go pick a new book? And you get started again right away. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. We make a chart where we talk about what will I see students doing? I even say, what will the teacher be doing?
1: So you're, you're doing a lot of positive reinforcement during that time, just jotting down for yourself, which students are actually doing that. And then is that the feedback you give them?
2: Yeah. You always try to catch them right away. I, oh, I didn't say this, but one thing that's really important is with teaching, reading and writing is to have that really enthusiastic teaching voice. It's funny because you know, after you do something for a long time, you kind of maybe lose that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you know, you're kind of going through the motions and I can't remember when it was, maybe like four years ago, we worked with a coach. Who was working with our school district and just watching her, she just had so much enthusiasm. And so I was like, okay, I need to like channel that energy. And it really does make a difference to have such a what we're going to do today right here. So, and just like, the kids love that. So I think that's also really important.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I do remember that writing and reading workshops tend to be kind of in the morning before the break, which is like a recess break or something. But by the time I hit that break, I was just so exhausted. <laughs> There's a lot of energy that goes into teaching, reading, and writing, for sure.
2: There is. And you can lose that. So it's like, you just have to kind of be reminded, like, that's important, that the kids, they get hooked by that.
1: Yeah, for sure. But for me, I think it's hard to fake that enthusiasm. (laughs) And so I have to be doing my own writing on the side at home or in my own free time to share with the kids. Otherwise, it doesn't feel authentic. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's yeah. true. No, I agree. And I think Teresa you bring up a good point, which is I know it's hard to make time to be doing that writing and if you don't have time to do it at home, you know, which I don't, I don't have very much time at all even just being mindful of modeling that in front of the kids it is so
1: yeah
2: so we share mentor text and want kids to see kind of like that very high level of writing craft at the same time I think that when teachers see what the teacher is writing that's what really connects with the student what you're doing live whether you show a piece that you did also showing work that prior students have worked that you can say oh a second grader wrote or a sort Garden Kindergarten of student wrote this so that they can see, I can do that. I'm in second grade. That's actually really powerful.
0: You do have to keep a folder of your own personal writing and it's okay if it's not completed. I remember pulling things out from five years before. I would just continue it five years later. On the same exact paper. You <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> no, 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 I cross out the old date because you know that you know how you, you want your kids to cross out the date and put the new date near it. I don't know. That's what I did. So you can see how many times they worked on it. I will show them. I started this literally in 2012. <laughs> so funny. But yes, having time to write is definitely a challenge. Some of the kids are really prolific writers, even at seven years old. And I would really point it out. You're such a good writer. I got a message from a parent who said on Facebook, she messaged me that, you know, you told her that she was a really good writer. Well, that's what she wants to do for a living. And she is going into college this year. So I was like, whoa, that was how many years ago? And she messaged me like last year. (laughs) So you just never know, right? How many years is this year for you? At 23.
2: Wow. 23rd year teaching.
1: That's amazing. I guess
2: I feel like I'm always working to inspire the kids to write. Who, cool. After going through last year, most of the year was remote. And it, for me, teaching writing over Zoom was one of the most challenging. So
0: yeah, I can't and, even imagine. In terms
2: of publishing, we did do a publishing party. It was on Zoom and we went into breakout rooms and I invited the principal and invited parents. Oh, wow. It was so hard for me to go to each group and really to get a strong sense of how they felt or that feeling of accomplishment. The kids were happy and excited, but it was hard for me to really get in there and feel it and to be able to share about it in a really detailed way. I just feel like it's kind of a fog be honest
0: yes well last year for sure pandemic year I don't even know how you could have truly done the whole process of writing when everyone's (laughs) on a screen I tried
2: my best like you know I met with kids like I tried to do conferencing but a lot of it required children to share their writing or take photos of it and not all of them were doing that as even with as much encouragement and explaining to the parents as I could. And then I used a app called Seesaw where the kids could record themselves reading oh, nice. the writing. Um, So on that level, like, I guess I was able to conference much more about just the the content of their writing and not so much the mechanics, which you sometimes get caught up in because you physically see the writing right in front of you. Again, it was a few of the students that were really good about sharing their writing with
1: Hmm. me. What I love about reading and writing workshop is that they complement each other so well and they go hand in hand in a lot of ways throughout the year. And so thinking about your read-alouds or your mentor texts, what have been your favorite ones that you have used year after year for maybe a certain unit or a certain genre even?
2: In terms of read-alouds and talking about getting to know you, like at the start of the year, I've used... here in particular, like I use the name JAR, which is I think Young Su Choi, I think that's the author. Mm -hmm. So we started off the year with like our first homework assignment was to go home and talk about your name with your family. And where did your name come from? You know, does it have any meaning? It really connects to me personally because, and I share this with my class, which is that the name that I was born with is different than the name that I use today. Mm. And it was because of this pressure. And I wasn't really involved in choosing my name. But when we came to the United States and I started school, my parents picked out an American name for me. So just... Mm -hmm. I read that book because it's about a girl who feels like she needs to pick a different name so that the kids can pronounce it, which is exactly what my parents said to me, which is Mm -hmm. like, oh, no one's going to be able to pronounce your Korean name. So then we switched and I share that personal story Mm -hmm. with my class. That's sort of a favorite book that I use at the beginning of the year. Um, I also use this book. I want to say this year in particular, and I think I will continue to use this book, which is this book called Let's Talk About Race. Oh, yeah. Um, it's by Julius Lester. Our school district, our high school students got together and they, I don't know how, how to describe it, but they really formed this group and it's called Diversify the Narrative. So it's all about diversifying the narrative that children are taught in terms of like history and race. And so they were able to get a grant and we purchased a bunch of books that they had on the list and that they recommended that because they said, you know, it's important to start talking and reading this literature from kindergarten up, right? Mm-hmm. It's important for the kids to hear that. So I got this book through that group, Let's Talk About Race and I read it for the start of my year and for the start of my writer's workshop, actually. Mm -hmm. I spoke earlier about that heart map that the children Mm -hmm. use, but it kind of did both. Like, it talked about race, and really the message of this book is that it's a lie to say that your one race is better than another race Mm -hmm. but at the same time it also gets into who are you what do you like to do who do you like who's in your family and so i use that book to talk about race but then also to talk about who are you and to incorporate those ideas into the heart map i think that's a really good book
1: Mm -hmm. to use That's so awesome. It's a great picture book. Even the illustrations have so much food for thinking with the kids about different aspects of race. I used that book in the library when I was a school librarian with even junior hires. There's so much to talk about.
2: Yeah, I just think it was a perfect tie-in to starting kind of that writer's workshop and Mm.
1: thinking about
0: who you
2: are. And again, like you had asked, it's a topic to be embedded throughout the year.
0: That's really awesome that you have high schoolers coming in to help with this.
2: Yeah, they really drove this initiative and really pushed for it. We're really fortunate and we got a ton of books at the second grade level or for younger children using books and literature is really key to talking about these topics Mm -hmm. and I'm going to circle back to like the Young Authors Festival one of the things that I really love personally is that you had authors of color at the Young Authors Festival. Mm-hmm. And I remember, was it Nat de la Pena when he talked about what shifted things for him seeing himself as a writer is when his teacher had him read House on Mango Street or one of those yeah. books, right? And he talked about how he had never read a book where it was like stories about just people that he related to. Yeah. And so, again, these mentor texts and what I read, it's so important that the kids realize that these books have families and people and stories that connect with maybe perhaps help what they connect with Mm -hmm. and that it makes it so that they feel like they have a story to tell that's just as important as something else that you might see. If we only show books that don't connect with the kids, then they're going to think, well, I don't have a story to tell, but actually they do. So,
0: That is one of the reasons why we're trying to do this podcast. Well, first of all, Teresa and I are trying to start writing a book, too, because we need to practice what we're preaching. (laughs) So we're just starting the process because that idea of everyone has a story to write and it's not going to look pretty like the books that, you know, have been published because we've never seen their hundreds of edits and revisions. And
2: just felt like in the Young Authors Festival, the authors really did talk about how They were very explicit about talking about what they grew up reading and and why they were inspired to write, that they have stories to tell too, and that it's important for kids to see stories with characters or people that connect with them. Even my class last year, they're second graders, but they really, I felt like they understood the message that these authors were giving. Yeah. And perhaps it's because I tried my best to have explicit conversations about race with my class. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They understood.
0: And I know Matt de la Pena in his podcast, he said, you think your story is not very interesting uh-huh. because you are living your story. It's not very interesting for yourself, but imagine someone on the other part of the world that goes, whoa, that's what you eat for breakfast. Wow. That is so interesting. And I thought that was such a good point. Of course, it's not interesting what you eat for breakfast because that's what you eat every Every day. day. Do you have any other books that you're reading right now? Setting up
2: the school year is so much work and in particular a year after being away from school we're dealing with so much right now in the schools with COVID cases making sure kids are safe and it's just been an exhausting start to the year so I guess I haven't been reading as much as I should be mostly just you know trying to push myself to read picture books that deal with topics of race or have characters with people of color I think those are the Main ones just trying to incorporate that into
1: my teaching but in helping us plan for the next young authors book festival are there any authors of color or any authors that you know that you would love to see at the next or session? hear a podcast from yeah <laughs> <laughs> In terms
2: of listening to authors speak, I always love listening to Jacqueline Woodson speak. I think she's really great with talking to kids and young kids and older kids. I love hearing and then I guess another that I think I've told you about is Jason Reynolds. He's <laughs> yes. very inspiring. Yes.
0: They're on our list also to try to have an interview with.
2: And of course, we always love to hear from Jean (laughs) Gang.
0: Thanks, Dina. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dina, for spending time with us and giving us your expertise, your expert advice.
1: Mm -hmm. To learn more about our book festival, go to www.youngauthorsbookfestival.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Graphic Campus podcast.